Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So it's awesome when God just reveals things to us. How many love that? Whenever you're, you know, you don't like it at first. You're like, it's uncomfortable. It's like, I've got a thing that I'm doing here. And then God's just like, well, here, let me mess that up for you so I can show you something about who I am. And that's what he likes to do. Well, this is a similar story. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Now, this is the most important question in human history. It's the most important question to the disciples in this moment, and it's the most important question for you today. No matter where you're at with, the, with your walk with the Lord, which these guys had a walk with the Lord, it's the most important question that you'll answer daily. He says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he says this, here it is, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Do you say that I'm tyrant? Do you say that I'm friend? Do you say that I'm rabbi? Do you say that I'm king? Do you say that I'm lover? Who do you say that I am? And whatever the first thought in your mind, whatever that first thought is, you know what that is? That's the the greatest revelation you have of Jesus. I think Jesus is a good king. Why do you have that? Because that's something that the Lord had revealed to you. I mean, you know, you didn't come up with that. You didn't come up with who he is. You just learned it. Come on. So who do you say I am? What about you? And I ask that to you today. What about you? Who do you say Jesus is? And Simon Peter answers, and he has the right answer. You are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you the truth, that you're Peter. I tell you the truth, that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. My church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, will not prevail or overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we're going to break this down a little bit. The first important thing right there, the first important question that we answer daily in our history with God, the first question that we have to answer is, who do you say that I am? Not does what the church say that he is, not, what, not, 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 not about what does the Bible say Jesus is. Because that's good. That's information. That's knowledge, right? But knowledge, check this out. Knowledge is for your head. But revelation is for your heart. So it's good to have the knowledge. It's good to know, well, Jesus is king. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Well, Jesus is the Lord of lords. Who do you Say I am. Not because someone taught you that. Not because of your upbringing. But who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he? Who has he revealed himself? And the answer that you have is because God revealed it to you. It's because God revealed it to you. And I love, I love this. I love that God, that Jesus didn't go, and that's great. No, no, no. He's go, he goes, you got the revelation? And here, let me give you another revelation. This is who you are. 
Because with every revelation we get of God, it just doesn't just show him something about him. It shows us something about us, about our connection with him. Are you ready? So knowledge is for your head and revelation for your heart. Can I also say this, that, that the disciples, these were people that hung out with Jesus. Are you with me today? They weren't people that, they weren't the crowd. They weren't the people eating the loaves and fishes. They weren't the people that he was casually going over. No, these were people that spent time with Jesus. How did Peter have the revelation? Because he spent time with Jesus. See, the thing is, is we want like microwave revelation. We want to be able to walk into a church and the pastor give you revelation. That's not revelation. That's knowledge. Now, you might get a revelation of the knowledge, but knowledge is for your head. Revelations. You can come in and you can hear a good message. It can rock you. You can be like, oh, that was so good today. And I hope that happens. But if you don't personally dig something out of that and you don't find it and heaven doesn't reveal it to you, it won't change your life. But if you dig, and listen, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to, you know, spend six months fasting to get one, one revelation. There might be something that kind of, it's kind of like a little picky boo, right, during service. You guys know what I'm saying? It's kind of like God goes, whoop, whoop, see this? How many, you've ever had that, had that happen in your church? It's like, oh, oh, like you get something, but you don't get it? You kind of like, oh, I never thought, thought of it that way. And the next week you're preaching that? You're telling other people about it? Why? Because the knowledge was just a trigger for you to get revelation. We're not talking about information. Come on. You can get information. You can, you can get online. You can get any information that you want right now. You can get online. You can find pretty much all the knowledge in the world. You can find it at the, at the tip of your fingers. In five minutes, I can answer pr- pretty any factual information question, but you can't get revelation that way. You got to spend time with the one giving it. To get that. Some of y'all know me, like you, you know me as far as like a pastor, you know me as a speaker, you might have hung around with me a little bit before or after service, but you don't have the full, re- Leslie has a full revelation. That's not always a good thing. Come on. So we only get revelation by spending time. So who do you say he is? What does he reveal to you? Number two, the second thing that he says to Peter is this, is on this rock, I will build my church. Again, this is the revelation that Jesus had for Peter about Peter. Peter got the revelation about Jesus, and he's like, okay, now let me give you the revelation about you. Now, Peter makes this statement upon this rock, or Jesus makes a statement about concerning Peter, about what the moment, and he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, scholars have argued, uh, there's kind of a controversy with, with scholars going, well, w- w- was he talking about Peter being the, the, the rock that Jesus is going to build his church, or was it on what Jesus, or was it on, on Peter said, and I would say neither. Because he says this, I will build my church. The church is not built on me. It's not in it. It's not, it has nothing to do with a building. Come on. It's, it's not something that we can build. We can grow it, but we can't build it because it's not ours. That's why we can't talk bad about the church. Come on. That's why we can't rip up and down on the church and criticize the church. Why? 
Because it's not your church. It's his church. I will build my church. Oh. That name, uh, I would say it means, means neither, but it also means both. Let, let me share with what, what I'm saying. Peter, the name Peter, his name means Petros. Y'all ever hear of a, there was, used to be a Christian band called Petra. You ever hear of that? Yeah, come on. Right, come on. Some Petra, Petra Praise. There was an album called Petra Praise. Some of y'all want to know what the, the, how the struggle was real 20 years ago. Go, go on YouTube and look up Petra Praise. It was pretty legit struggle, I must say. Got hammered every time. But, but the name Peter doesn't mean immovable. In fact, it means this. It means a little or a piece of a rock. It means a movable stone. Now, how many know that Peter, we like telling stories about Peter because he's just like us. He's pretty movable. Right? He's pretty shaky. So when he says that, he says Peter. Now, he, everybody called him Simon before. But Jesus is like, look, since we're talking about rocks, Peter, movable stone, easily shaken stone, fragment piece of a rock, stone, right? However, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, that the kingdom of God is unshakable. That we serve God an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. See, we could all, like, not show up next week. We're not going to do that. We're going to show up and bring somebody with us. But <laughs> but we could all not sh- show up. The government could come in and tell us we can't have church anymore. Persecution could come to the American church, and the kingdom will not be shaken. Because it's not shakable. It, you can't shake the kingdom. It's unshakable. Why? Because it's his church. Come on. But Jesus was speaking of a bigger peace. He was speaking, I believe, of the moment. I believe that, he, no, he wasn't talking about Peter. He wasn't really talking about the revelation. He's talking about himself. But he was talking about Peter because Scripture tells us that we are all living stones. And together we make up this thing called the church. So Jesus says this to Peter, and we see Peter, what does Peter do, right? Peter goes and he denies Jesus, not just once, but three times, right? We like to pick on Peter, right? But for me, I like to identify with Peter because I'm kind of the same way. So Peter denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times within like a few hours. Petros. Movable stone. However, something happened to Peter. We remember Peter for all those moments, but something happened after Jesus was risen from the dead and he hung out with his disciples for a period of time and then he went up into heaven. Peter was in a room with a bunch of disciples in Acts chapter 2. And they had this experience that happened. All of a sudden, the things that Jesus were talking about, the revelation that Peter had in this moment was magnified because they're in a room praying and it says the building starts to shake. And it says that that fire came and rested on their heads. And they started speaking another language. And they they had this, like, consuming fire pour in, this this all-consuming fire that was talked about in Hebrews 12, what we were referring to earlier, comes in and, and lights them up. 
And Peter, walk, they walk outside and they start, they start, they don't even know language. They didn't take, what's that class called that you get the CDs and you listen to other languages? They didn't have Rosetta Stone, right? And so they go, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're all like speaking in tongues and other languages. They go out and they start preaching the gospel in the language of the people. And they didn't take any classes. They weren't bilingual. They were, what do you call it when you only speak one language? Mono, <laughs> a white, <laughs> Caucasian, right? And so um, they go out, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then people start getting healed. Come on. And Peter stands up. Now, here's Peter before this moment denying Jesus. And here, at a company of people, thousands of people show up, and Peter stands up, and he's the first one to speak. Why? Because the revelation that he had on that rock that day came alive. It was ignited. It was lit. And all these prophecies that happen, there's a, there's a book in the Bible called Joel. Chapter, Joel chapter 2 talks about this move of the Spirit. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. There's going to be dreams and visions it didn't just say sons were going to prophesy. It also said daughters, by the way. Come on, ladies. You like that? And so what happens is Peter's transformed. He has a moment. He has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he says, when he stands up and preaches, he says, this is that what was prophesied and Joel, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pray. You know when the last days started? We're living in the last days. We've been living in the last days since Joel chapter 2. We still live in that era. That era has not ended. The area of going out and preaching and multitudes getting saved, people coming out of wheelchairs, we saw it yesterday. We saw deaf ears here. We, we, we saw all kinds of crazy stuff happen. Those days have not ended no, they started, they haven't ended yet. We're living in the last days. And the last days aren't just, it's, the, the scripture calls it this way, the great and terrible day. So is the last days bad? Yes, but it's also great. It's the finest hour of the church. So we don't need to hide. We need to shine. We need to be who we are. We need to be the church. See, God had a dream. God had a dream. And he said that people would function on the earth like Jesus functioned on the earth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my Holy Spirit. You, you can read about this between John chapter 14 and 17. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in them, and they're going to do the same things that I've been doing. Jesus said that. He said, you're going to do what I've been doing. In fact, you're going to do greater things. What? Well, yeah, there's more of us. It's like, it's not, it's not just, it's just not one person functioning with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the, the authority of all heaven. It's not just one person doing that. It's a multitude. It's the 60 or 70 that are in this room right now. Functioning in that power. Y'all are out today? First Peter chapter two, Peter says this, listen, you are coming to Christ. 
who is the living cornerstone in God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. We're living stones. We're alive. That God is building into his spiritual temple. We are the temple of God. We are, we, it's not a building. We're in a building right now. It's probably not the best time to say this. This, is, this building is awesome. It's a blessing. But it's not the house of God. You're the house of God. You house the Lord. You house the Lord. Where does the Lord live? He lives in heaven. No, he lives in you. And let me tell you, if he lives in you, then he lives through you. He's not content. The devil will be content with Jesus living in you. Can I tell you today that your life might go well. It will go well with Jesus living in you. Because you won't have a mark on your back. Oh, it's just, it's all good. Listen, I'm scared sometimes when it's all going my way. Because that tells me that the devil's not against me. He doesn't really care. He's not harassing me. I've been really harassed over the last month. It's stressful. I don't handle it the way I need to. But I've been harassed by the devil the last month. Why? Because God wants to do something. So when the enemy's attacking you, don't go, what's wrong with me? Go, I must be doing something right. Because the devil's trying to stop me. The devil's trying to destroy your marriage. Why is he trying to destroy your marriage? Because you're going to have a model marriage if you press through. So I've been saying it like this for years. And by the way, it's really good to have uh, Pastor Adam and Courtney with us today. And uh, they've heard me say this before. That it, Yeah, it was good worship today, right? Sure love you guys. Um, if the devil's not on your back, he's on your side. That's what I've been saying for years. The devil's not on your back, he's on your side. What does that mean? That means if everything's just going good, you might want to check out and see if you're doing anything, see if you're making a difference. God didn't call you to make good. He called you to make a difference. And if you're going to make a difference, there's always going to be opposition. The devil hates you. Praise God. Be thankful you're not his friend. (laughs) So the attacks that are going on in marriages and lives on the church and, and our relationships with one another, all that is an indicator that God is up to something. It is not an indicator that something's wrong. Something's wrong. All hell is breaking loose. No. Something's right. Hell is trying to stop you. Come on. So you just know that you're on the right track. Y'all all right today? All right. Then he says this. I don't know how we got there, but we did. I will build my church. It's his church. So he quit freaking out. Number three. He makes this third statement. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Listen, Jesus didn't just put you in the kingdom. He didn't come to just put you in the kingdom. Oh, we're in the kingdom. Yes, yes, we are. He didn't just put you in the kingdom. He gave you the keys. When you got the keys... You have the authority. 
I don't have my keys because I didn't drive over here this morning. Let me see those keys, Noah. I got the authority. Sorry, Noah. The only way, the only way you're going to get the authority back is if you can get these back, which I'm pretty sure you can, so I will hand them back to you. But with the keys come the authority. It's God's car. It's God's vehicle. It's God's house. But we are the key holders. Don't be satisfied living in the house. Have the keys. Unlock some doors. Lock some doors. Open some doors. Open some doors and make some messes. You got the keys. The authority is in you. We're asking for a sovereign move of God. And God's saying, I don't want to do a sovereign move. I've already done the sovereign move. I've already sent the Holy Spirit. Now what I want to see you do is use what I've given you. Use the authority. Use the exousia, the governmental authority. Use the, the uh, dunamis, the power that was poured out on the disciples that day in Acts. That same power that's active here today. Use that. Use the power that is in you to override the works of the devil. To override sickness. To override discouragement. To override depression. Use your keys. I just, I just can't get out. Use your keys. And if you don't have the courage to pull them out of your pocket, then come to one of your brothers and sisters and say, can I use your keys? Or can you use your keys? Because sometimes my keys are hard to get to. Sometimes my keys are hard to get to. Sometimes I lost my keys. But the good thing is, is we're in community. And when I can't find my keys, and my keys are out of reach, there's somebody right here next to me. He's got his keys. And that's why it's so important that we do life together. You got the keys. Now, you don't live that way. You don't live dependent upon the keys of another. Because God wants you to unlock doors for somebody else. You know, we pray all the time. We're like, God, would you do a miracle? Would you, would you heal so-and-so? Would you, would you uh, do a financial work there? Would you bless that situation? God's going, have at it. Go for it. You got the keys. Lay hands on the sick. There's a woman yesterday and, uh, you know, I pray for sick people not real often, but sometimes. And, and uh, we're praying for this woman at the call. They, they say, okay, who's got, you got any kind of hearing issue? You got any kind of hearing issue? And this woman, like, next to us. And so I'm like, well, you know, Pastor Josh, I better step up. That's what I else doing. And I'm, I'm just here to receive from the Lord, right? That's kind of how we get sometimes. And so I'm there, and this woman, so I'm like, all right. So I go over, and I pull my keys out, right? And I lay hands on her head, and I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, open her ears. If I thought, be opened, right? I'm praying, oh, Lord, what are you doing, God, right now? Reveal healing, oh, Jesus. You know, all the, all the prayer things that we pray when we're praying for somebody's healing. And everybody's, you know, like 40 people around her. You know, the whole place is like, I'm, I'm talking, there's like, I don't know how many people were there. They're, they said there was supposed to be 100,000. I think it was short of that. There's probably 75, 80,000 people there. And they're all praying for people. And, and I go, and I ask her, because I wasn't just content with walking away and there not being some kind of solution. And so I asked her, I said, so what's up? Like, 
can you hear, is it better? She said, well, there's still a little tight. I said, well, let's pray again. And she's like all like freaking out. And I'm like, stop that. We're just trying to pray for you, right? That's, that's part of my frustration. <laughs> but, but it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. And she's like, oh, that was powerful. I was like, come on, let's, let's, let's get you healed. And she's like, it's totally gone. We're praying. She's like, it's totally gone. It's totally gone. And we're like, yeah, bye. You know, and then we go back over there and, and uh, I get bitter again. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't bitter. And so why did I keep praying? Because I didn't have authority? No, but because I do. And I wasn't seeing that authority in action, so I prayed again. Jesus did that. Jesus prayed for people, several people, more than once. Did he not have the authority to do it the first time? He did, but it didn't happen. So he prayed a second time. So pray a second time. Pray a third time. Pray a fourth time. Pray and, and don't just pray that God blesses somebody financially. Bless them financially. Right? Don't just pray for someone to be encouraged. Pray for them to be encouraged. But go encourage them. You got the keys. And apparently they don't have the keys to unlock that door. Right? Y'all okay? Now, the, the language that's used here. In the scripture is bonding and loosening. You guys hear people like use that language. It's, it's, it, we do strange things as Christians, right? We use words that we don't know what they mean. <laughs> the anointing. What do you mean by that? I mean the presence of God. Well, why don't you say that? Because I like to sound spooky. Yeah, like Jesus did that. He didn't. Um, by the way. Isn't it interesting we like to make simple things complicated? I was talking about something. I forgot what it was. Oh, bonding and loosening. So you got this concept, and so what we do is we pray for people, and we're like, well, I bind the demons. We loose the demons. We bind the demons. We're like, dude, what is all this bonding and loosening? First of all, I don't want to bond a demon. Why would I want to bond a demon that I could make leave? Why well, don't want to tie him up and leave him there? Um, I'm, if you've prayed like that, I'm not rebuking you. I'm just saying that, that that's what goes through my mind. I'm like, why do I want bond means to tie up or loose means to untie? Why do I want to bind up a demon? I want him to be gone, <laughs> right? Jesus didn't bond demons. He cast them out. He told them to go, and they didn't come back. And so, but if you tie them, maybe they'll stay around. I don't know. So anyway, those are just little frustration things. That I have. But it's interesting that he uses the term bonding and loosening when he's talking about keys, because with keys, you don't bind and loose. Do you? Or you, you don't tie and untie. That way you can kind of get out of that mode, right? We don't tie and untie things with keys. That would be awkward. Like chopsticks. Right? No. What do you do with keys? You lock and unlock. So when you read that scripture, for your understanding, we're not changing the scripture, but we, we're looking at it at a different angle. I want you to read that scripture and think, I have the keys of the kingdom to lock and unlock doors. Bind and loose. Lock, bind, loose, unlock. Because we're talking about keys. The word bind means to restrain or to lock. Loose means to release. What do you do when you use a key to unlock? You release the lock. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to have a greater understanding of what's happening with the keys of the kingdom. Now, he says this. He says, whatever you 
lock on earth will be locked in heaven. Some translation says, have been. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. So in other words, God is saying this. You have the keys of the kingdom. This is how much authority you have. That when you lock and unlock things, heaven backs it up. I'm trying to unlock your your understanding of how much authority you actually have. You have heaven's backing. Because you're a child of God, you're royalty. I mean, you belong to the God of the universe. You're not some measly sinner peasant. I know someone's told you that. We're just sinners saved by grace. Not anymore. We're not sinners anymore. That we used to be sinners. Now we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Filled with God's spirit. Well, I don't know if I can just control my mouth during traffic. Righteousness of God. Filled with the spirit. I'll leave it alone. Everybody say this. I'm a key holder. I'm a key holder. I lock and unlock things. Heavenly things. God-like things. Come on. You're not God-like. Well, you're, you're like God because you have the righteousness of God, but you're, you're not him. <laughs> Let's get that straight in case you get confused. Now, Jesus, when he tells us to pray in Matthew 6, 6 verse 10, he says this, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? We know that. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed your kingdom. Right, he's, he's, we got that part. And then he says this, on earth, listen, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? How is it on earth as in heaven? Because we got the keys. We do it because we have the keys. We unlock heaven on earth. In heaven, there's no sickness. I mean, we know that. We learned that in Sunday school or something like Sunday school. Was that guy that used to be like Sunday school, the, the Bible, Bible man? You know what I'm talking about? Sorry. Sorry for poor Christian media over the years. I want to repent for that. I don't care where you learned it. The important thing is he learned it. That in heaven there's no sorrow. Not, not saying that we won't grieve. In heaven there's no depression. In heaven there's no sickness. Come on. In heaven there's not constant stress. So what's God's will on the earth if we have the keys? So it's, well, I'll pray, and if it's God's will, I'll heal you. On earth as it is in heaven, there's the will. The will is like it is in heaven. So when I pray for people that are sick, I go, Lord, we know there's no sickness in heaven. So we unlock heaven on the earth. You've given us the keys. That's why we believe in divine healing. 
Well, what about the people don't get healed? I don't know. Hmm? Pray again. We don't know. I don't have a theology for it. Jesus didn't either. So I'm okay with not having answers for certain things. But I'm not going to allow it to limit my prayers and limit my power because I don't have an answer for an unanswered prayer. Because what we do is we don't believe. We doubt. You're a key holder. Now, scripturally, when we think of locking and unlocking, I always think of gates. Right? And I want to share with you, we're talking about God's dream a little bit. Now, Peter's dream was very similar when he, in, in the prayer of Jesus and what Jesus says here on earth as it is in heaven. There's this activity of that the earth is supposed to look like heaven in a very real way. Uh, not like angels, you know, especially on harps, on clouds, right? But the earth is supposed to be a reflection of the authority that's in heaven. Are you with me? Now, this isn't a New Testament concept per se. Let's look back real quick at, at Genesis chapter 28. Y'all all right today? Y'all got time for one more story? A little more than that, but okay. Genesis 28. You're like, Josh, you're all over the place today. I, I know. Like, I didn't have very much time to prepare this week, but it's okay. Genesis 28. Jacob. Now, Jacob later changed the name God changed his name to Israel, the nation of Israel. And he came to a certain place and stayed, the, stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones from that place and put it at his head, and he lay down at that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. I'm trying to figure out if I want to leave that alone or not. He was dreaming God's dream. In fact, I believe in that moment, he thinks he was dreaming, but he saw what God was doing and about to do later, as we saw in Acts 2. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder. We've heard this before. A ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there were angels of God that were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord your God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be the dust of the earth. What is he talking about? Increase. You shall spread abroad to the east and to the west, to the north and the south. Can I tell you, the kingdom, although it is an unshakable kingdom, it is an advancing kingdom. It's an increasing kingdom. Are you with me? It's something that's growing. Again, we didn't build it, but we have part in growing it. You shall spread abroad for the east to the west. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. And I will leave you and I will not leave you. My bad. I will not leave you. Until I have done all that I've spoken to you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. What happened? Revelation. He was here. 
and I didn't even know it. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? How many of you have ever been hit with such a huge revelation and it actually makes you a little afraid because it's so much bigger than you are? Have you ever had a dream and it was so much bigger? Way bigger than anything you could do? And you're a little bit afraid and you're bashful and you don't want to tell anybody about it? You're like, I have a dream. I have a dream that a million girls are going to come out of the slave trade industry. But I don't want to tell anybody that because they might make fun of me and they might think it's too big. Listen, if you're afraid of your dream, then that's a good thing. Because that means it's bigger than you. And that's what you want. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than this, than the house of the Lord. Then he says this, this is the gate of heaven. Jacob saw a specific location, right? God was speaking of Israel. In Acts... What Jesus spoke of, you'll do greater works. Are y'all with me today? I will do greater works in you. So it's not one house of God anymore. The old covenant was one house. The new covenant is multiple houses of God. It's what happened in the book of Acts. So there's not a gate of heaven, one gate. No, there's many gates. A gate here, 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 here. We're gates. You're a gateway. You're a portal, if you want to use a spooky word, of heaven. Right? Portals. Right? <laughs> portals, Lord. Don't go to that church. They talk about portals. I don't like praying portals. We are portals. We are the gateway of heaven because we are the one that God dwells in. This is the house of the Lord. The word here in the Greek, shahar, that means an opening that was split open. It was something that was closed and God opened it. A gateway. And he saw this activity, heavenly activity, on earth as it was in heaven, coming and going. And he said, surely this is the place of the Lord. Peter saw heaven, the things that Jesus talked about, on the earth as it was in heaven. He saw the activity. He saw that sickness wasn't allowed around him anymore. Come on. He saw the discouragement could no longer be around him. He knew he had to be specific when he called out names at funerals or everybody would rise from the dead. It's an access point. You are an access point. You know, you have your mobile phone. We talk about revival. 
I think of revival as like I think mobile phones. I have a connection, all the information I ever need. Knowledge is power. I have all the power I ever need at the palm of my hand, right? As long as I got a charged battery and a and a good signal. Come on. Mm-hmm. I said, as long as I have a charged battery and a good signal. And there is a there is listen, revival is not about a meeting that we come to. It's about a people that we become. That when we say that I am the access point of heaven. And if my friend is sick, then I have a key called healing that Jesus paid a very high price for that I can unlock. And I am possessed by the joy of the Holy Ghost. And so depression can't live where joy lives. And so if my friend is depressed, I am the mobile movement. I am I revival. Releasing the glory of God, releasing heaven's activity. Listen, this is what we're about as a church. It's not, we love the gathering. We love the community. We love to get together. We love to break bread together and read the word together. We love to worship together. We love that. But church isn't a thing that happens on Sunday. It's what we do during the week when we have full batteries and we have a good signal with the Father and we function in the power and we release his glory on the earth. Y'all all right? So I want to awaken you to God's dream. <sighs> Number one, it takes revelation. We've talked a lot about that. It all starts that question, who do you say he is? What's your answer? Because he asked you that before. He's asking you today. He's going to ask you tomorrow, who do you say I am? Do you say I'm healer? I know we're focusing on that a lot today. You say that I'm the healer? Or do you say that I'm impartial? Do you say that I'm a good father? Who do you say? Again, when we get the revelation of who he is, it brings out the revelation of who we are. Number two, it takes participation. It takes going somewhere with the keys that we have. I give you the keys. I give you the keys. He didn't say I keep the keys. God, would you do something on the earth? Lord, would you move? Yeah, do we pray that? Yes, absolutely. And you know what his response is when we pray that? God, would you come? Would you have your way? You know what he got? You know what he says? He goes, "Yes, I will." Will you release me? I know that sounds weird for some of you. But, but will you use the keys that I've given you? It's God's dream on the earth. We would take the keys. Unlock God's movement on the earth. I love praying for revival. We did it for 15 hours yesterday. But praying for revival is not what brings revival. Doing revival is what brings revival. It's praying for a hundred sick people that don't get healed until one gets healed. 
It's praying, it's preaching the gospel to 300 people and none of them get saved. And then one finally does. It's loving on the unlovable until they believe it. Until they believe that they're loved by you and by your heavenly father. So I'll just say right now, sometimes the greatest miracle is you just spending time eating lunch with somebody at work that needs you there and needs you in their life. Sometimes that's the greatest miracle. You want a platform and you want numbers. You want bragging rights over something. God just wants you to go have lunch with somebody. Buy them lunch. And not at Taco Bell. Taco Bell's good, though. You can buy me lunch at Taco Bell. Come on. I know it's not real Mexican food. We even talking about that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Glory. Getting kind of hungry right now, I think. All right, so, I oh, thank. All right. Listen, the movement that is coming is not a sovereign act of God's goodness. It's a partnership with his presence. If we're distributing anything, that's what we're distributing, the presence of God. See, God's in charge of the product. We're in charge of distribution. The church, all we are at Overflow is a distribution center. And you're all delivery truck drivers. And we have, I hate to even use this word because it sounds so sacrilegious. We have the greatest product on the planet. We have the best thing. We have the best thing. We have the thing that everybody needs. We have the thing that nobody can really experience what life was supposed to be unless we give it to them. We have that. And we spend 30 hours watching TV every week. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to condemn you into doing something for God. I'm just saying, have lunch with somebody this week. Don't pray for somebody after you tell, I'm going to pray for you, and then you forget to pray for them. Pray for them right then. Pray with them. Don't pray for them. Pray for them, but pray with them. Will you distribute what you have? This is what I found. When I distribute what I have, God gives me more. I want more revelation. <laughs> Here's more. Yeah. It's overflowing. Why is it overflowing? Because you distributed what you had. And then you produced what Jesus told a woman at a well. A well of living water is pouring through.